enlightenment is man's emergence from his self-imposed knowledge. Knowledge is the inability to use one's own understanding without another's guidance. This knowledge is self-imposed if its cause lies not in the lack of understanding, but in indecision and lack of courage to use one's own mind without another's guidance. A translation of Immanuel Kant's philosophy. Welcome to the Citizens of the Globe podcast, where we not only embrace, but encourage change in our environment, in our bodies, in our minds, and in our souls. My name is Michael Maltez, and I aim to break down the borders we create in our minds one meaningful conversation at a time. Earlier this week, a friend of mine sent me a TED Talk titled The Danger of a Single Story, and it reminded me of an important reality in our world today. Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie is a wonderful speaker and doesn't need any help from me to tell her story, so I won't waste any time summarizing it. I just strongly encourage you to listen to it for yourself. But what I was reminded of is how susceptible we are to being fed a narrative and how easily our brains cling to information that is presented to us. When I started exploring philosophy, I was amazed at how much of my thinking is influenced by ancient philosophers, all without me even knowing it. It made me feel like my thoughts were not entirely my own. And well, the more I keep learning, the more I see that actually not a single portion of the society is entirely independent or original. We are living in this society as a direct consequence of a few men's words throughout history. The best way I can explain this to you is to think about our justice system. If you've never had to think about it, all our laws and legal proceedings may seem very intuitive, meaning they just make sense. If you commit a murder or steal something, you should receive adequate punishment. That makes sense. But what if a person who committed murder was acting in self-defense? Or a father was stealing life-saving medicine for his sick child? Well, what punishments should be administered then? Luckily, we have people who have already thought and played out those situations, and the justice system we have, while not perfect, aims to account for all the variables in a given situation. But these nuances of law did not come naturally. Ethics and morality isn't something born in us. We learn it through our experiences and dialogue with other humans. That's why the right to an abortion can seem so right to one person and so wrong to another, or the right to bear arms, or anything for that matter. It's all subjective. We as a society deem what is right and wrong. And for multiple reasons, humans autonomously dictating the ethics and morality of ourselves is such a complex idea for us to grasp 
that we decided to create folk tales to tell us what is right and what is wrong. The thing is, though, since humans are the ones who wrote those books like the Bible, well then whoever follows those writings is subject to whatever the author of that book deemed right and wrong. However, I see now that it isn't just religion. Like I said, our society today is a direct reflection of what a few philosophers thought thousands of years ago. If you've never seen 12 Angry Men, I encourage you do so right after this episode. But for the purposes of this episode, I'll briefly explain it. Twelve jurors congregate in a cramped room on a hot summer day. They are deciding on a case that so clearly points to a Hispanic teenager murdering his own father. The whole movie revolves around the process in which they came to a unanimous consensus on if the kid did it or not. There is so much to unpack about that movie, and it left me with a renewed sense of ethical duty to see things in a more multi-perspective way. And now I actually wish I could be on a jury and they send me those jury letters. It's pretty funny, actually. But for this episode, I want to talk about one thing. And it's how they came to their decision, whatever it ends up being. Well, what they used was the Socratic method, which is when in a dialogue someone uses progressive questions to understand the entirety of an argument, stance, or belief. The goal isn't to undermine the other person's position. The goal is to make sure the position has a solid foundation to stand on. And you can hold a position on anything with the Socratic method. For example, you can defend astrology. If someone came to me and said, I believe in astrology, using the Socratic method, I would say, okay, well, why do you believe in astrology? And maybe they'd retort, just because I do. To which I would say, well, is there any feelings that following astrology elicits in you that makes you believe in it? Is there a reason? And they might say, well, it brings me comfort believing in astrology. And that's a perfectly sound foundation to stand on. If it brings you comfort and it serves you a purpose, that's, that's the foundation of your argument. And you can even defend more complex claims that are more convoluted, but it takes more effort, more critical thinking. What you can't defend, though, is claims like, well, I believe there's only two genders because that's the way it's always been. I would say, well, how do you know that's the way it's always been? The other person might come back and say, well, since I was born, there's only been two genders. To which I would clarify, so from birth, from your birth, to now, there has only been two genders. And from that bit of knowledge, you are deducing that in the past, before your birth, there has only been two genders. And in the future, after your death, there will always be two genders. Right? Right? Well, here's the kicker. 
you have no way to travel into the past or the future to verify that there were only two genders and there always is going to be two genders. So for your argument to stand on solid ground, you must change it to, I believe there are only two genders because for my lifetime, there has only been two genders, and then attempt to defend that claim, which can still come under scrutiny. And that's okay. That's what the Socratic method is about, trying to clear all the presuppositions of an argument so all parties involved can be on common ground. Because if we just assume, if we just make outrageous claims, then we're going to be talking in circles. Well, why do you believe this? Just because I do. That's not a sound argument, and you can't stand on that. And if you do stand on it, you have no right to criticize any other person's beliefs. And, well, that is a sound argument, if that's how you want to look at life. All this is to say that the Socratic method is what we built the foundations of our society on. The Socratic method is what developed into all the different branches of science today. It all began with a claim, a question, and someone trying to defend that claim against that question. Our society now, including the courts you're tried in, the house you live in, and the device you're listening to this podcast on, are all a direct result from some dude born in 470 BCE starting to question the way things were. And the Socratic method seems to be carried through time, reflecting the best of human intelligence. In other words, it seems to be a good thing. What scares me, though, is what are the bad aspects of humanity that we are unnecessarily carrying with us throughout time? such as racism, bigotry, hate, revenge. Well, I've noticed that our march towards individualism in the U.S. is becoming detrimental to our society as a whole. We hoard resources and build 20-story luxury apartments right across from tent cities where people don't have a pot to piss in. And some of you might say, well, it's those people who made their own choices that landed them there in those tents. To which I would implore those people to ask themselves, is it really as simple as they made a string of choices that landed them there? Again, I ask you to imagine that it's you now who suffered an injury unforeseen and because of that injury you need physical therapy well because the u.s has privatized health insurance that won't pay for continuous physical therapy you can't afford it so instead your doctor prescribes you with carefully dosed painkillers to manage the pain well it turns out that those painkillers are a synthetic opioid which are known to be addictive. Keep in mind, from our last episode, you might recall that addiction can engulf anyone. Well, you still have bills to pay, so you gotta keep working, 
despite the pain. To get you through the shifts, you keep on taking the painkillers more and more frequently. But eventually, you run out before you refill. So, you either suffer at work or hit your buddy up who sells unregulated painkillers. You tell yourself, you just got to get through the month to your next refill so you'll just buy them off of him this month. And well, your pain doesn't go away, so you keep on taking more and more pills, repeating this cycle for months. But eventually you see that you can't sustain paying the street price per pill. It's too expensive. So you inquire about other drugs your buddy might sell for cheaper. After all, you do have bills to pay. So you take a chance and you try codeine, which is a cheaper natural opioid, to deal with the pain. Unfortunately, you're unaware that you're progressing through an increasingly dangerous addiction because you rationalize your behavior by saying, I need to pay the bills to continue participating in this society. But then something happens. You no longer can participate in the society because you were just managing the pain, not eliminating it. So in all those months or years of you working through the pain, you were repeatedly injuring yourself until one day you collapsed, unable to continue working, unable to pay your rent, unable to pay your car, or your phone. And so you get spit out by society and thrown onto the streets in a tent across from a 20-story luxury apartment complex. I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm simply trying to get you to see that maybe, just maybe, things aren't as simple as it's the individual choices a person makes that leads them to be homeless. And just in that one, I'm weary to call it a hypothetical situation because it is a real situation that thousands of people go through and are going through today. But from that one hypothetical situation, we can delve into so many aspects of society that could be improved upon. Such as, what if that person had free health care to get physical therapy and never needed the original prescription? So they never developed an addiction. What if that person had easy access to resources that helped them identify their addiction early on? Or housing resources that helped them supplement their income so they weren't burdened so much and had to work so hard injuring and re-injuring themselves? There are so many parts of society that we can begin to make better. But it takes all of us coming to the table to start critically and respectfully questioning our beliefs so we can build a foundation of sound, moral, and ethical human tenets that can guide us to a better, more sustainable world for all of life.
I didn't know at the beginning of this episode that this episode would probably turn out to be one of the most important things I ever do or put out in my life. And that's because it truly embodies what Citizens of the Globe is about, which is encouraging us all to stop sitting on the sideline and letting the course of our lives be dictated by powers other than ourselves. We create this society, and if we are not satisfied with it, we have the power to create a new collective vision for it. And so, I ask you to share this with as many people as you can. I don't even care if it's this podcast you share. I'm talking about sharing the information, the critical thinking skills. I don't care if you give me credit. After all, my ideas were influenced by thinkers before me. So are they really my original thoughts? And well, if you spread the information you learned here today, are they really your thoughts? Does it matter who owns the thoughts? Maybe we can drop all the originality and ownership BS and just start to call them our thoughts. And with that, I hope you continue to create the day that you want.